So today's topic is passion. And it's not the kind of passion that you're thinking about. It's actually the passion that we all have in life at one point or another. And then we hit a crossroads. Do we follow it? Do we invest in it? Or do we do what we're told or what we should or what we must in order to survive in life? And then hit a certain age and, and realize I'm really not even living my life. I'm living the life that everybody else wanted me to live. So what are your passions and how did you discover them? And what advice do you have for our audience to identify theirs if they're um, at their own crossroads or way past the crossroads and want to, you know, pedal backwards a bit and rediscover what their passions are? So for me, it's not so simple because those passions come and go for me. Um, I had several over the years. Um, well, it all started with my dad. I, was, I, was, I saw my dad having one passion for something and then um, uh, I wanted to kind of have my own. Um, but instead of doing what he wanted, I kind of went my own way and I got into sports. And um, I was uh, a huge fan of Chicago Bulls and I wanted to become a basketball player since I was a young boy. And um, I had my whole room was decorated with Chicago Bulls posters. I would watch NBA games and I would go play basketball with my brother all the time. And, you know, it was, it was all about basketball until maybe when I was 13, 14 years old. Um, the problem was that about that time, 13, 14 years old, I realized that um, there is a huge chance that I won't grow any taller and that there's no NBA for me uh, in the future. And I had to kind of, you know, give up that passion. I still go play football. Uh, basketball from time to time, but I, ha I had to give up that passion. Um, and over those years, then I had to kind of reconsider and try different other different things, uh, sports and um, creative stuff. And there was periods of my life where I had been doing something passionately um, and, you know, for, for long, thinking that this is something that I will do for the rest of my life and then dropped it. And then I had some periods of, the, of my life where I was a little bit lost and I had no passion because I couldn't figure out what's going to be the next one. Um, and then recently I found my new passion, which is uh, entrepreneurship and uh, the video production company that I started. And this is, uh, the most recent, the most fiery passion going on right now. Um, along the way, I picked up football. I played for the club, and I so I can still do that sport part um, in my spare time. But the main passion is business, and that's what kind of drives me every day now and gives me fire every time I wake up in the morning. So that's passion for me. That was really, I'm very glad you went first, Alan, uh, because. Uh, that that helped frame lots of thoughts in my in my mind too. I mean, I suppose it's quite hard to sometimes think about you know like what was the thing that ignited it. And so as you were as you were speaking there, I was thinking about what are the things that I've kind of gone through that have um, led me to to what I'm doing now. And I actually think um, like I always liked um, 
like an element of performing, I suppose. Not necessarily like performance in the like, you know, putting on shows, although I might have done that uh, uh, as well. It's probably very true. But like this idea of like performing has always been big for me. And actually my first ever job um, was a, as a magician. Um, and That's um, pretty cool. That's and, cool. And, and, and it's one of those things that um, like I just started calling, at about 16, uh, I just started calling myself a professional magician. Um, because I thought like, you know, is there a qualifying body? I mean, there's the magic circle, but you know, not every magician's in the magic circle. So, um, so I printed a business card um, that said I was a magician. And so that's as good as true. Um, but then I, then I somehow managed to get employed doing that. But I think what I enjoyed more than anything was like the whole like interaction with people and like getting a response from them and them enjoying what I was doing. Um, because then, you know, that led into like entrepreneurship for me, which I was very lucky. I didn't know that's what I wanted to do. In fact, I didn't know, I had no idea what I wanted to do and uh, no idea what's, whatsoever. Um, but I had this opportunity to take part in young enterprise um, school program, um, company program, which basically came into my school and let us like set up an enterprise um, idea. And that's really been what I've done ever since. And I think the thing for me that, that ignited my passion was because it was like whatever I put in resulted in the output and I controlled how much I put in and that then influenced how much came out and it was so different to like the kind of like traditional uh, jobs that lots of my kind of pals were getting um, and I was like you know even as a magician I was self-employed um, you know I was doing my own thing and I really loved that and as a magician at that age at 16 I was getting paid way more than everybody else I wasn't working nearly as many hours I was getting like the DJ wage in, in, in places. So uh, that's, that's what people would pay me to come into their, their pubs or whatever. Um, and so that, I suppose, realizing that, that I have the skills and that the more I do, the more that happens, that, that's, the, my, that's definitely my passion. My passion has turned into um, like social business. I think that business... Um, we all have to interact with business either we're employed by them or we buy from them and they are one of the biggest vehicles for affecting positive change um, that we have because uh, as an employer and as people who employ people or just even your customers or stakeholders if you change the way you treat them and that has an impact on the way they treat other people then the more people you employ the more family lives you impact the more positively you can then um, if you treat your employees well, they have the capacity to treat their partners well. They have the capacity to be a bit nicer to their kids because they're not as stressed. And I have control of that in my workplace. That's the thing I'm most passionate about is the fact that I, I control the levers within my own world for, for, for doing something good, I suppose. Um, and that that's also makes it really hard sometimes too. <laughs> uh, and very daunting um, at, at times. And you feel under pressure knowing like, you know, how do I do this? And it's my passion's very much changed over time. Like it's evolved massively. What I was motivated by at the beginning is not the same thing I'm motivated by now, but that's thread of like having the creative control over how I design my own life is definitely the thing I'm, I'm, I'm most passionate about. And Bruce, I'm still uh, blown away by the magician, but <laughs> so, um, I mean, uh, and I'm almost like wanting to ask you questions about 
like I, I imagine at, at the age of about 16 being a pr- magician being able to do that in front of the class that must have been amazing mm. um but um yeah um interestingly i mean the background that i came from it, it was almost like i kind of i never really i feel like i never really um I never really got full reign to indulge all my passions because it was like, I was kind of almost like I was born into a world where I was going to go on and become a doctor. Like mm. I have relatives, you know, I, I, I knew at the age of eight or nine that I have relatives in Pakistan who are doctors. So it was almost like subtly, and it's probably not even subtly, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I probably don't realize, but I, I, I was like, being given the messages that you know this is what i've got to do so it was almost like the passions that i had were things that i had to discover myself and they were almost it was like a world within a, a it was my own personal world so i think the first passions i ever developed was my love of comics and uh, comic books and these and i realized now that they were things that i could control you know you could buy these little comics um, I mean, in those days, they had things like, I don't, you guys probably don't even remember, but they had things like the Beano and uh, Dandy and things like that. And, you know, if you look at the, I mean, they cost something like 10 pence and the amount of artwork that went into this and you could look at these things and, um, you know, there was so much to look at and you could you know, take it away to your own room or whatever. So that, I think, and then I discovered the superhero kind of, genre and all that kind of thing and for a long time and, and and this was something that only kids did so the adults didn't belong to this world so that was quite amazing for me and I think uh, so that was a passion and it was something that I could afford and I could indulge and then I think as I got older then suddenly I discovered Bruce Lee and martial arts and that was just like wow you know that was just like the first I think I, I mentioned this on another podcast. I walked into a room at the age of seven and this is like 1974 and Bruce Lee, this guy had won a hundred Bruce Lee posters from the daily record. And this room is just covered with Bruce Lee posters from the floor to the ceiling. And he just looked, he was like a superhero basically at that time. And I just thought, wow, that's what I wanted. Wow. that. And I realized now that I've been carrying that around in my head for a long time. And I was I was in this course about a couple of years ago and I got up and I said in front of all these people, oh my God, I just realized I'm never going to be Bruce Lee. <laughs> I thought, I... <laughs> and I was like, I was like 49, you know, and everything doing a job. And I went, oh my God, I'm never going to be Bruce Lee. But I actually meant it because somewhere in my head, that was there somewhere so it's amazing how those passions and those ideas subconsciously are affecting the way you are i mean you 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 i mean alan you probably i wanted probably to be michael friend. jordan i wanted michael, to be michael jo- jordan yeah honestly yeah. honestly yeah yeah and at some point you probably go oh i'm not going to be a michael jordan i'm not going to be my i mean yeah i mean i was like in my 40s when i realized that anyway um but I guess that was a passion, and um, in some way, it's good that I think now I'm I'm really involved with like I want to write a book, and I and I'm very interested in setting up a book festival, and I'm quite passionate about that, and I'm sure that if I draw a line, that probably I can draw that back to the comic days, where you know the, it was something about writing, 
and creativity and so I could probably draw it back to that but um I I I I've never had that thing where I could uh, you know like I I went to a profession that was basically a continuation I think of something I had to do I had to do that and so in a way you know when you guys talk about entrepreneurship there's a bit of me that would like to just go check everything out the window and let's see what we can what I can create um I, I don't think I'll ever do it in that way, but I do the, the, that. I'm, I don't think I've always had the thing where, wow, I feel passionate about it and let's go after it. It's always been getting into something. And then after a little while, the, 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 I, I've had to kind of stick with it and then passion develops. So that, that's been my experience. That's invaluable because some people can come to believe that if I don't feel it right now, if I don't feel it immediately, if I don't feel it, you know, shortly into the work that I'm doing or the, the skill or the talent or the hobby or the work even um, professionally, then there's no passion. There's no need for me to continue. But you're saying persevere and continue and really, you know, test it out and see if you can develop passion. And that's invaluable. I agree so, with that. Uh, for example, um, not that long ago, I had no idea uh, if I will have passion for entrepreneurship. I only wanted to try and see if I can do this. Um, but I had no idea until I actually made the jump and then I've been in business for several months. Then I can say, wow, this is actually driving me. Like I, I can see how I get fired up for, uh, about certain things and everything. And the funny part about this is my girlfriend, who, who's a little bit younger than me, uh, like three, four years uh, younger, uh, she looks at me and she says, I wish I had so much passion for the, and I don't know what is my passion t telling me this. And I say, just be patient, just like try different things and, and you it will come because so many people, they just put pressure on themselves and they need, they're like, I need passion. I see all these people having passions and I don't have one. And like, uh, there must be something wrong with me. Like I don't have passion and they just put pressure on themselves instead of just living their life and just trying new things. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's so true in terms of particularly in the kind of, I think this has always been socially true, but obviously heightened with the world we live in now where people are, you know, sharing all the time about their passion and how well they're excelling at that, their passion and how well their life's going. And, even though bits of us can appreciate that that's probably not all totally true, it doesn't stop you feeling like, you know, like, like success fatigue on online. You know, like I, I, I follow quite a lot of people um, who are venture capitalists on Twitter. And I tell you, it's demoralizing how successful they all are. You know, they're constantly, you know, every day they've come to a revelation on this, on that, and they've achieved this today and that their passion has allowed them to unlock this. And that's not real life. That's, that's, not how, that's not how it works in real life. Real life is that sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes it's really good. Sometimes you have breakthroughs, but it's like it goes in, in peaks and troughs and cycles. And I, I think that's, again, it's back to this expectation. Like what expectation do you have for how these things actually are when you find a passion? You know, like I, I think that I didn't, I stumbled into this. This was not definitely completely unintentional. I had no idea that this is what I was going to do. When I was in school, 
I was motivated by the thought of money. That's what I was motivated by. That's what I saw everywhere. You know, MTV had these shows where they showed you all these rich people's houses and all the rest of it. That's what money, money, money. And you know that it, it worked out so that my business enabled me to travel a lot in the early days, but I had no money. And it, like, you know, the fact I was traveling was because it was being paid for ultimately through business deals or whatever. So, but I personally didn't have any cash. And then I realized that you don't need to have cash to be following your passion. And I think this is this idea that a passionate should always be really like an obvious outcome. And it should be about, you know, finding it. But it's every successful and particularly every wealthy person I've ever really met always reverts back to now doing like philanthropic work because they want to do the thing that they're passionate about, which is often around helping people. Most people, I think, find enjoyment in helping other people. Um, and actually thinking we've had this model that I really want to, um, to flip on its head is this idea that we don't follow our passion in any shape or form for most of our lives. We just focus on making as much money and as being as successful as possible. And then once we're there, we give back. Well, that requires waiting a very long time for any seismic change. And I think that we need a model of like doing your thing that you're passionate about, living your life because you know, otherwise you're going to wait too long. You know, that's the thing I, I feel is that we, we need people to be realizing the things that actually make you happy. And, you know, the amount of people that I know who are, um, who have, you know, worked in corporate life in particular for a very, very long time. And they're really disappointed when they reach the top of the corporate tree because it's not what the view is, not what they thought it was. And they've neglected the things that they're truly passionate along, along the way. And then, and they're working hard to try and rediscover. Powerful messages, um, each of you, and especially Bruce with that last one, flip it on its head, absolutely. Because if, if you're investing time and energy in something that doesn't fill you, then it's hard to wake up in the morning. It's hard to stay consistent. It's hard to be in a positive mindset or even in a healthy mindset. Forget positive, just a healthy mindset. It becomes extremely difficult to have relationships because it impacts every single relationship that you have. And I don't mean personal, but also professional. So it has a ripple effect when we really do not follow our passion because it's almost like we're feeling like a part of us is missing. So what values did you each discover you had that enriched your adventurous journey to discover and fulfill your passions or learn about your passions to fulfill them? I think um, probably a lesson I learned early doors um, was um, to be as when, so when you need other people often to help you you know, pursue passions and, and often other people are involved in that process. And I found that by um, being really humble and like respectful to people and, you know, not trying to be too much um, really enabled me to unlock loads of help from people. And like my life's full of help from other people, you know, people talk about, you know, being self-made. There's no such thing. Um, no one's self-made anywhere in the world. And so, uh, you know, all the people that have helped allow me to fulfill my passion, you know, they're the ones that unlock the door. Ultimately, I just, just chapped on it. And I think that's the thing that uh, a lot of the time is, is learning to be 
to ask for help for, from people because other people can help you get there um, much, far quicker than you could ever get there on your own. Um, and I think you'll find you can never get there on your own. You know, you ultimately have to rely on other people. So as uh, Reham, you know me, uh, we've, we've known each other for a while. Um, you've seen that I'm full of energy. I bring, you know, I try to uplift people all the time. And really, I do have passion for life. And uh, I wake up in the morning very early, get a cold shower, and then I can I, I, I tackle the day. It's not always super amazing, like the first two, three minutes, but then afterwards, after that shower and everything, yeah, I'm, I'm all in, ready to go, and, and really happy to, to go for it. But it wasn't always like this, okay? Uh, not that long ago, maybe two, two and a half, three years ago, um, I didn't know that I'm going to be in business full time. I, I had a job. I wasn't really sure what I want to do in the future. I was kind of struggling financially um, and mentally uh, with myself, with some demons from the past and everything. And overall, I was lost and I did not have that passion in me. And, um, you know, the days were passing by. Mm, I was. I would wake up in the morning, have a cigarette, uh, then another one, then another one, and then kind of like if there was if there was a day that I didn't work, I would just kind of waste my time, binge watch some Netflix, and really didn't know what to do with my life. Didn't really have anything to look for. I was single, obviously, um, and then I got to the point where you know my mental state was so bad. I had some suicidal thoughts. I had, I was, I was getting to the, to the bad spot. And I remember, uh, I got to like, since I consider myself self-aware and also a relatively intelligent guy, I was like, I need to protect myself from myself. And, uh, I messaged my brother. Um, and I said, like normally, like my relationship with my brother is kind of, um, let's say dry. We love each other, we love each other. Um, we give each other a hug when we meet, but we meet maybe once a month or once every two, three months. Uh, we spend some time asking, are you good, you good? Yeah, good, have a, have a beer mm -hmm. together, uh, exchange few words and then take care, see you later. But on that day, I messaged him and I say, listen, I want you to come to my house and I want to talk to someone because I have no one to talk to. And uh, if I don't talk to someone, I'll do something really bad to myself. And, uh, and I just kind of asked him for, for the first time in my life. Um, I, just, I, I just, I was very vulnerable in front of my brother. And uh, he came, it was at night, he came at night and uh, I jumped to his car and we were driving around for about an hour. And I told him everything. I said all day that I don't have any direction. I don't have any idea what I want to do. And uh, that I kind of feel shit and my finances are, are terrible. I think I had no money. I, I literally, I had, no, I had zero in my bank account. And what he did was he, um, he gave me comfort. He, he he kind of gave me some hugs and then kind of let me uh, let me you know out um, kind of nicely. And the next day he arrived to my house with uh, with two big bags from uh, like little supermarket with food for me. Brought some food for me um, that you know because I had no money for re to really buy food and stuff. 
And then um, just kind of after that, I started to like pick myself up and then think about, okay, what I want to do in life and uh, you know, how to improve. And, and I don't exactly remember what he said to me, but just the fact that he was there and I was not afraid to be vulnerable in front of him, uh, kind of helped a lot. And uh, then from then I bounced back. I started to rethink stuff. And I remember I turned the binge watching of Netflix. Um, I used to watch this show called Net uh, West Coast Customs uh, about cars. I, I turned into actually uh, a part of the company that I'm running right now. It's kind of the name of that, of that show is a part of the name for my company. It was not like flick of a switch and I went there and I suddenly have passion for life and I'm feeling so energized and happy and upbeat and people would think that this is fake. No, I built this uh, by being very low, asking for help, and getting through that pain and then jumping up. I think that's, um, I think that's, you, you brought up something really important there and I think it's this idea of authenticity and if you're, you know, I think it sounded like you're being authentic there. And I think that's a big part of it that, um, you know, about asking for help and connection. So much of the time we're just in this kind of way of looking a certain way or looking good or looking, um, keeping up the appearance. And I think that maybe you have to get to the bottom of the barrel or at some point where you've got nothing left or things are bankrupt or, you know, you've just got nothing left and you think, right, I've got to do this. And, and then you're being authentic. And I, I guess, I guess that's, that's a big part of it for me. Um, trying to keep that authenticity and honesty in the midst of doing whatever you're doing, which I think is not easy to do. Um, I, I, but I think if you can, I think if you can do that, then I think that that keeps things fresh and it just it just keeps things alive. Well, you know, Bruce, Bruce uh, like you mentioned social media, um, that social media is trying to like, especially Instagram is trying to sh like make us believe that everybody's life is so amazing. So there's full of passion and then the sun is always shining and uh, everybody's got always all this money and, and the success and everything. And, uh, and it makes you feel not adequate, uh, you know, it makes you feel like if you don't know where you're going, then it, there's something wrong with you. Uh, why you have no passion if there's so many good things around? And uh, yeah, that's, that's what, what happened then. Absolutely. And, you know, though, as I'm, I'm listening, um, is that, you know, I think that I'm good at asking for help uh, when it comes to work. but terrible at asking for help anything to do with my uh, personal life and I think that I'll, you know if I'm being very honest is because of the perceived success professionally it feels like it's even harder to ask for help personally and it's very difficult sometimes to have to admit when things are not going according to plan because you feel like you're, you know, bursting that bubble that people have of you and, and, and perceive you. Um, and then, yeah, and, and there's part of me that um, that works on resilience as well. So, like, there is part of me that is, like, 
sometimes you you need to respond to your own problems you you do you need to you need to learn how to do that and how to be comfortable with them but also when things are when things are just too big for one person you know you you need to share it with someone else um and you know even you know even that process of sharing it's cathartic and you know that's often <laughs> sometimes that's all you need actually is the person to say nothing uh, you just just have heard you say it out loud and and you know sometimes i also find some the things that i'm worried about and then i say it out loud and i'm like oh it's maybe not as worrying as i thought it was actually you know i've now I've verbalized it and i've heard it you know um it maybe doesn't feel quite as bad but you know i i definitely feel like i still need to work on my ability to to ask for ask for help you know when, when it comes to my personal life I was actually some something came up the other day, and somebody was talking about um, when you when you when you're talking about passion. They were, they were talking about this idea that you know about vampires, and vampires can't see their own reflection, and this idea that if you can't see yourself reflected in other things, or say things in the culture or the community or other people, then you become a monster. And um, I think that's something that for me, if you are just going on that kind of pattern and you're not finding a way to genuinely be self-expressed and to genuinely express whatever's going on, and you don't see that outside there as well. Uh, and I think this is something uh, that I feel sometimes, um, sometimes I don't often see my experience of growing up reflected back at me you can sort of become a bit isolated and i, I like the idea of, of of like the vampire uh, who can't see his reflection and he becomes this monster and i suppose if we don't see ourselves reflected in our heads we do become our conversations in our heads do become like these big mountains that you you know just are difficult to handle so i think that's part of it for me that if you are able to make that connection with somebody else, and like you said, if you if you're sharing it, it does decrease things. So, I, I guess that idea of sharing it, yeah, that's really important. And even like with Alan, you're saying about you know you finally connected with your brother by sharing. Um, you've got to have people like that around you. And I must admit, I I think having a family and having kids and and having that around me i think is quite good in that you have to kind of generate yourself again because you know uh, you know kids are going to be authentic and it kind of forces you out of yourself so that's i think a great thing um but yeah of course that only comes when you're older and i guess you 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 you're in a kind of committed relationship and you're you know you uh, you know that's not going to, you know, uh, happen necessarily earlier on. Mm -hmm. Also think, um, you know, like talking about kind of, um, you know, not seeing yourself reflected and also the role that other people play um, is that, you know, sometimes people, you know, I think that pe the people in our lives, um, we shouldn't look them to fulfill every role in our lives. And I think that's been a big, wake up call for me and I think I think it's absolutely something that has made my relationship a hundred times stronger is realizing that we're not meant to be everything for each other 
because you can't fulfill that in, the, in each other. And once you realize that, then you no longer expect that person to, or you no longer, that expectation is lifted from you as well. But equally, sometimes there are friends who are not conducive to the passion you now you want to, to follow. And you've got friendship groups who don't get it, not interested in it, and are kind of holding you back. And I used to think that the advice was, you know, you cut people out of your life who hold you back, right? But I feel like now I'm coming into a much more middle ground approach, which is you just accept that certain people in your life play a certain role and that the, you know, childhood friends play a very different role in my life than they did when I was, when I was a child. And what they think of me and their, their kind of influence over me changes and diminishes over time. Um, and I think that's quite significant when thinking about how do you pursue your passion? We need to make sure you've got the right people around you to help you to do that because you're the average of, of the people you spend most of your time around. And I think even if you're with you know, the most energetic, optimistic person and you're generally quite negative, you'll end up some middle version of that. And, and the same is true as if you're around very, very negative people and you're very positive. It's too exhausting to be positive around around people like that, and so you end up you end up being more negative. And so I think realizing that you can curate that rather than like extinguish certain people or or you know because that's always thought that was very harsh. Um, but I do think that uh, yeah, but you can you can learn to moderate and realize that that's also just okay. Is that relationships change? Absolutely. I mean, we all go through different cycles in life. And I know I've, I've heard and read before this quote, uh, I can't remember who said it exactly, but um, your relationships are either, either reasons, seasons, or a lifetime. And sometimes seasons shift and change. And, you know, we have childhood friends that come and go and, and they impact us or mirror what we want or mirror what they're experiencing and not, not what's true for us. And we might have friendships that have come into our lives later, but are stronger and more supportive. But each one of them has a role, like you said, Bruce. So understanding the value of each and when you can turn to a friend in need, for example, like Alan, you were feeling like you couldn't turn to anybody and, and knowing that your sibling was there, you know, you had a brother that was available that could come close to you, um, you know, in your vicinity and, and, and you could be with them what happens to those people that are living in a different country that don't have friends, that don't have acquaintances, that don't have mates, that don't have people that they can turn to. They want to find passion in their life. They want to be fulfilled, but are feeling alone. Any advice for them? One thing that I, I noticed is since I went through this, uh, I became extremely sensitive towards seeing that and spotting that straight away in others. And also, uh, that's a part we, we were talking before about the emotional intelligence and awareness and everything. Um, that's a part of it. Um, I, I can see what is impacting people and try to lift people up, show them like that there is a, you know, there is a way, uh, give them some comfort, um, make them smile um be like this beacon of light for them uh and uh yeah i mentioned that before to you Riham. like i want to give that warmth to people because i felt the pain i want to be uh, uh, also able to help 
um, them so they don't have to. Um, and yeah, I think that is one of the passions that I actually have. It's like doing that and uh, being and doing what I'm doing right now, um, running about with camera, um, that's what I do. I, I noticed there are a lot of people who are very insecure in, in front of the camera. And one of the things that I'm doing is just kind of encouraging them and giving them comfort in front of the camera and telling them all about the experiences that people are going through and being empathetic and understanding and, you know, allowing them to kind of uh, accept themselves and, and so on. So, yeah, I just found passion in that. And uh, goes back to being interested in other people and emotionally intelligent, I would say. Is that quite often times people want to help. And I think remembering that people actually do want to help. Um, you know, Alan, I, I, would, I would imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, imagine your brother was really grateful that you actually, you know, took this opportunity to, He's you know, not I, very not very talkative guy, so he would never say that. Um, it's kind of weird. Um, I'm sure he will. He was. It's just that he's a type of a person who doesn't, you know, is a, like I think people say a man of few words. Um, so yeah, he he wouldn't say much, but I'm sure um, that he was. It's just that yeah, at that point, I wouldn't know. I think that's the thing is, is that like um, when we um, like support each other and I think the thing that um, can sometimes be really difficult you know for people who are having um, who have had a series of kind of like hard times and, and, and knockbacks and, and it's feeling quite like you know who do I turn to is that like confirmation bias becomes really really powerful and so everything you see is a confirmation of the fact that this isn't going to work for you or you're not able to do it or that there's no hope or there's no way out. And I think that's the, that is the, we all have confirmation bias, but it's like regularly trying to catch yourself on, am I just confirming what my worst fear is here? Um, that helps a bit um, because it starts to, um, starts to allow you to see your thoughts almost uh, as separate from, from, from yourself. Um, and then I think then trying to find shared interests, shared, shared, you know, passion can sometimes feel like a daunting thing, like find your passion, but like just find a shared interest. And then actually most of the time, you know, that's where community is formed. Um, and, and again, being, I think if you're finding yourself, um, you know, off, offering, often offering your own help is a great way to elicit help for yourself. Um, and I think that that's the, definitely something I've learned throughout my professional career massively is that you know if I offer help that is me opening up a door for them to ultimately help me in, in some way and then even in your personal life is that um, if you, you know, you've got so much control over your actions and if you can solve something by like giving then that's actually the easiest possible thing you can literally do it doesn't always feel easy but it literally is the easiest thing to change a scenario is for you to give something. Um, and so, I, I, you know, I, I don't, this is just a rant. This is more of a musing thought. I don't know where, I'm, where, 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 this, where this concludes, this thought, but um, that's certainly the way I look at it. That's the way I try to process these things when I, when I feel like that. that. That's interesting. I mean, I, I, for me, it all comes back down to communication. You know, when you're in that state where you think things are stuck 
um, I, I think it's about sometimes just declaring and, and, and communicating that, look, things are stuck. And as soon as I say, I think things are stuck, then I actually find that then things begin to open up because I've actually just sort of admitted it and said, okay, I'm in a bit of a breakdown here, There's something going on. Um, and even, and, 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 and then something seems to move, move on. And, and, you know, and just asking for help um, does, I find, I, I think you realize that you, you come out of your own mind and you, your own perspective. And when you get the other perspective, um, things just seem to, you know, somebody will say something and it will seem really obvious, but it, it just wasn't because you, you were just kind of stuck in one kind of vision. Um, and, I, I and I suppose the other thing is that sometimes I realize now through life that you can't have a breakthrough until you have some kind of a breakdown so that it all kind of falls on from, from that. I mean, somebody once told me that, you know, um, every solution was at one, no, every, every, was it every problem was once a solution to something. So I, um, and I don't know, I've not really tested that out, but I think that's a big part of it for me. Um, um, so I think, I think that's it. And uh, I think for me, it is really about communication. And, and once you communicate what it is, there'll, there'll be somebody that will, I mean, I, I think Bruce was saying something about from your passion comes community as well. Um, and I suppose every movement started with one person. Uh, like I, I, I've, I've been kind of interested in having a, a hap keto club and it's a kind of small art and, but I, I, I kind of want to have it in the South side. And I thought, you know, I mean, there's a, there's one club over in the, I think in the uh, north of Glasgow somewhere and it's a guy that's there. And I thought, but then I thought, you know, all I need is one other person. Uh, to train with and we could literally be quite crap as well but if we carried on we'd probably there'd probably be somebody else that would that doesn't matter as long as we're quite happy and we're doing things somebody else will probably join on and before we know it it's probably going to be four or five people and that's it you've got a club going so and i suppose it would and i and i actually i i just out of that i kind of asked somebody this chap and this instructor and he said yeah yeah yeah, i'll come along and do a class once a week and then i and i then i thought you know it'd be great to to see somebody you know we never get these masters coming over from other places and they're not going to come to scotland unless you pay them so i just typed in and i just said listen would you like to come to scotland they were like yeah we'd love to come to scotland it'd be brilliant what a great country okay they did ask to get paid but you know we'll work that we'll work something out yeah. Um, so it's it's just about making. Sometimes it's just about communicating, and and I suppose when you're in that state where you don't have passion, you get stuck in your head and you don't communicate and and something and and you know and and I suppose it's reminding yourself that that sometimes all it takes. Um, so yeah. So I'm for me, it's all about communication and having avenues of self-expression, whether it's you know, being able to speak to people or write or creativity in other ways. I think that's really important. Um, yeah. One more thing I would add is um, if, if someone doesn't genuinely know 
what they want to do, what they like, what they want to, um, what they would be passionate about, uh, or what interest they have. Um, I, somebody told me about a great analogy uh, that it's like, imagine being in a buffet, like a buffet, and just try different bits of foods and see which one you like. And you literally go for one dance class, one martial arts class, you go for, you know, uh, a little bit of skateboarding, you borrow roller blades, blades from someone and you just try a little bit and maybe there is something that you will be like, oh, wow, this is nice, I'm gonna try again next week. And then you fall into something by accident. That made me think about, um... I think this issue that, that we're, I think that men probably suffer from, but I'm sure it's true for everybody, is this like, again, the back to this feeling like I need to be good at it. And, you know, I need to be really, not just good at it, I should be the, probably be the best at this. And it's like you set up that expectation for yourself. Um, and so then when, if you're not, then you tell yourself, no, well, maybe that's not my passion then because I'm not as good as that person was at it. And they maybe seem more of a natural at it. And, we can be influenced by other people telling us that we're crap at it, you know, and, and then, then we're like, oh, well, it can't be my passion thing because everyone else thinks I'm, I'm rubbish. Um, but like, no one ever was perfect at anything first time. And, you know, we just don't have that type of expectation for other things, you know, for so many other things in life, we really expect that you need to train and study and develop and improve over time. And I think if we relate that back to like just the things we're generally passionate about, then it's okay to, to, to be a bit crap and to be on that, that, that journey and try and stop comparing yourself um, to other people and, and have a kind of like imposter syndrome. I mean, I know that I've had that massively at times in my life and that's the thing that can really hold you back. And then you realize that everyone else feels the same way and that, um, you know, to be an expert in something, very rarely, you know, like, does someone come along and just anoint you and say, you're the expert on it? You know, it's like something that you suddenly realized over time that you might actually have expertise in the thing. Um, and so it's so easy to assume that everyone else must know more than I know, or everyone else must be better at it than I am. Um, and it's funny when you realize that everyone else is feeling exactly the same way at almost exactly the same time. That when you were talking about that, um, I, I couldn't help thinking I was um, I was listening to this guy um, called I think his name is Hoist Gracie, and they're these guys that do this thing called Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and it's you know, very fashionable just now. Loads of people are are doing it. So this these this family, the Gracies, they're the, the best in the world, you know, the in, from Brazil. So he was giving a, a just a wee talk about martial arts and. And what he's seen in his lifetime about why people stop doing them. Because, you know, to get good at it, you've, you've potentially got to be doing it for about at least four or five years. And then, you know, so, you know with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it usually goes on uh, for about 12 or 13 or whatever. Anyway, um, and, you know, I would say, well, what, what stops people doing martial arts and people coming out with the whole thing about, well, it's time. You know, life gets in the way, you know, people have family, you know, people just, you know, you know, have injuries, think all this kind of stuff. And he said, all that's fine. But the number one thing that stops people from just carrying on is they start to compare themselves to everybody else. So it just kind of mirrors what Bruce was saying that, you know, it's like suddenly going, 
I'm not as good as him or he's doing better than me. I'm really crap. But like you said, and I think that's probably the biggest passion killer and, and you start comparing yourself to everybody else. So yeah, so that's a big part of it for me. It's, it's comparing yourself about to somebody else and keeping that the, that beginner's mind. Mm. So, you know, and going into anything with that beginner's mind. Um, and I don't mean just a mind where you don't, you know, you, you forget everything you knew, but you go in there without expectations. And I think that's really important to have. Absolutely. I, I, the only person we can compare ourselves to is the person we were yesterday and the person we want to be tomorrow. So who are we now? And, and kind of compare it that way. So that's how we can invest in our own personal development. So we're never the person that we were yesterday because we're always improving and advancing and growing. Mm-hmm. And we want to be someone different, better, um, more, you know, pull in whatever values they are or what passion we want. And then that's who we're aiming to become in the future. So you all bring up such amazing points and thank you for sharing, you know, personal stories and experiences on your values and your passions and, and, and personal stories around asking for support, even when times got really difficult. Um, thank you, Alan, for choosing life uh, as opposed to anything else, uh, because with you in it, it makes our lives much more uh, fruitful and beneficial and that much more um, rewarding because each and every one of us have value. Each and every one of us has impact. And when we realize that the easiest decision might be to, at the moment, might be to end one's life, the real impact is what are we going to do if I didn't succeed? Then what? So know that you have an impact in every single person's life that you choose to impact. And some people that you don't even realize that you impact. So with that said, discover your passions, try something new, find something that might inspire you or try something completely out of your comfort zone and see what comes of it and and discover your passions. With that said, also join us on our next episode of the Genuine Men's Chat Show podcast and Zoom Live on a weekly basis, um, the Zoom Lives that is. Um, Share, like, and follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Join our Genuine Men's Chat Facebook group where you can speak to other men and follow up on these discussions. And remember, our motto in 2020 is many men, many conversations. Have you taken your seat at the table yet?